I believe inspiring people to be the person they aspire to be by doing the things they aspire to do. This podcast is an additional platform to help me do just that. I know a lot, I've done a lot, and I do a lot. By sharing my experience with you all, be the highlight of my day. I will also have family, friends, and colleagues share their knowledge and experiences with me. You think you know me, but you don't know the half. Welcome to Vail's World. It's the team. What's up, what's up, what's up? Uh, 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 uh. Another episode. Man, thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all. It's been a long, long time coming, but I know oh, oh, change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will elections are sooner than later we are one week away from elections so make sure that y'all go hit the polls um again it's always great for you to bring younger siblings cousins aunties uncles bring as many people as you can definitely the the next generation so they can create comfort um with going to the polls as well as voting it's important today can change the next 40 years, not just the next four years uh, with the type of things that's, that's been in place. Uh, so today's episode, we're going to talk about common courtesy and the lack thereof it or the different definitions or descriptions of common courtesy. Uh, it's definitely a cultural thing. So what's common for me may not be as common for someone else so yeah that'll be at the end of the show the top of the show um but now we're about to start off with good read 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 (laughs) so today's good read is what you do is who you are by ben hortz what you do is who you are explains how to make your cultural purposeful by spotlighting four models of leadership and cultural building. The leader of the only successful slave revolt, Hades, Toussaint Louverture, the samurai who ruled Japan for 700 years and shaped modern Japanese culture, Genghis Khan, who built the world's largest empire, and Shaka <clears throat> and Shaka Singor, a man convicted of murder, who ran the most formidable prison gang in the yard and ultimately transformed prison culture. So what got me into this book was something quite simple. Um I was in the airport. And when I'm in an airport now, it's like one of those things I randomly get books, uh, any leadership books, anything that can help uh, me become a better person for the company. Uh, I try to look for those leadership management books, business books. And this was one of the things that I felt was important for the company. So when I read the title, I was like, oh, interesting. And I got it, of course. and. As I began to read, I, I realized that this book is serving its purpose and 
where we are now, where I am now. So where I am as a person and where the company is uh, within our growth, really reflecting on these different type of leaders and leadership styles and how they got things done, how they were able to create a cultural relevance and um, norm amongst others. What you do is who you are is a journey through culture from ancient to modern. Along the way, it answers a question fundamental to any organization. Who are we? How do people talk about us when we're not around? How do we treat our customers? Are we there for people in a pinch? Can we be trusted? Can we be trusted? All are character attributes, right? So this book helped me define these things and just ask myself the question. Like you don't wake up every morning and ask yourself these questions. So these book, this book challenged me in ways that I didn't know I needed to be challenged in the moment. And throughout the book, it allowed you to look in the journeys of other leaders and how they define themselves and their culture and, and how they are perceived when they're when they're not around. Um, I recommend this book for anyone that's in a leadership position that's really trying to define an identity as well as create a culture amongst a group. Um, any group that's purpose is to serve others. I believe that's a great book for that. One of the biggest takeaways from this book is is really how these four leaders uh, are defined in history and how their methods were completely the same and created based off the people that they wanted to lead and how they wanted to lead. And the most common part of their leadership style is that they were able to lead and influence others which was amazing different times different parts of the world and still capable of leading so that's the good read today make sure y'all check out what you do is who you are by ben hortz Good book, good book. Now, what's popping? Man, it's been a lot over the last couple of days. Uh, Shonda Rhimes left ABC for Netflix over some Disney tickets. You know, there's been some talk that it was petty and all of this stuff. Um, but then it, it started to unravel like a lot. So not only did she not get this one, you know, $150 Disney ticket, it seems as if one of the execs told her that she's asking for too much for asking for an additional ticket. For years, apparently, she was, you know, in her contract, they agreed on two tickets uh, for her and a significant other, but she never had a significant other, so she used to bring a family member. And this year, she just wanted an extra ticket for another family member um, during these times, and they told her no. 
And I'm quite sure she has the money. She was worth like, you know, 300 million. Uh, um, Cause that's what Netflix gave her, if I'm not mistaken. So she's, she had the money. I, I believe it was more just the principality of it all. Uh, I'm making you all billions of dollars and I'm asking for too much for asking for a one day pass to a theme park in which you own in which I'm quite sure that Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder help renovate and keep this thing afloat. So when you are making millions and possibly billions of dollars from from dope series that you created, and you can't give me a $150 ticket for my mother, it's not even like it was for me, so... When I'm putting a family member in there, it's like, oh, y'all green. And um, so I understand where she's coming from. And it's great to have that type of freedom and strength and confidence that if I'm not being treated the way that I expect to be treated in one space, that I have the courage to my conviction of leaving. A lot of times we find ourselves in uncomfortable situations or spaces that we're stuck in because we don't have an exit strategy. So we find ourselves at jobs that frustrate us and from the smallest, you know, the smallest little things as a Disney ticket, just because of the lifestyle that it was able to create. And um, hopefully, you know, what she done has left a message for how a lot of executives treat Black writers, black actors, black actresses, black producers moving forward. Like, respect us. Really, like, respect us. If we making you money, don't make me leave for something as small as a $150 Disney ticket for one family member it's not gonna hurt y'all it's not gonna be in y'all pockets but me going to netflix is definitely gonna (laughs) do some things so good luck with her and her future endeavors um netflix seem like you all have a good one so i hope we have some good shows soon coming down the pipeline great move for netflix Cancel 50 Cent. Oh, man. So 50 Cent has been blasted. Not it, And it's crazy because he hasn't been as blasted. Like, we haven't blasted him as much as we have done other celebrities in the past. And I think it's because, like, even the broke people at times, you know, kind of understand where he's coming from. So 50 Cent went on social media. And publicly endorsed Trump, which I really didn't take it that serious. But he endorsed Trump for his tax plan. Um, It has been proven that Biden plans to increase the taxes for the 1% of Americans. And the 1% of Americans somehow make up 400 
thousand and above. So although that numbers, you know, when you hear one percent, I thought it was like millions and 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 billions. So I guess we need to start arguing about the point five percent, like the half of that, um, because it's a a huge gap. But it has been shared with the world that Biden plans on taxing um, individuals or raising the taxes on individuals that make 400000 and more, uh, which is the 1%. And the numbers are like outrageous, like 60%. Honestly, I feel like it's irresponsible and irrational to ask or to make anyone pay between 30 and to 60% of their hard-earned money um, to just like take it like that's that should be a crime um, which means you're working nine to six months out of the year to provide for your family and I wouldn't wish that on nobody I'm, I'm not the person saying I'm not rich right now so I'm only voting or I'm only concerned about m- me <laughs> and how I am and my financial situations uh, situation but it's, it's more of like just fairness like I wish somehow some way that we can figure out a number that all Americans should pay their share in taxes and just leave it at that it shouldn't increase because you make more like that's not fair that you're going to punish me for making more and some people bring up the idea that oh well they make more so they should pay more I mean they're going to pay more regardless even if everyone's tax was you know was at the same percentile right if everyone paid 20 percent for taxes if i'm making a million dollars what i'm getting taxed for is still going to be more than what someone that's making a hundred thousand dollars and i also you know two months of free labor is a lot better than you know three months four months, five months, six months. So hopefully the government figures that out. Uh, Ultimately, I think more people will pay, more rich people will pay because we all pay in the same bottom line. Um, Of course, they have to revisit some of the tax breaks and tax cuts and all of those things. So I'm assuming within that 60%, you know, 62, whatever crazy number that, has been circulating um, that they're going to add those tax cuts and all those things that they might not even pay the 60%. But why put all that energy and effort into that? So hopefully the government figured that out. 50 cent, I, I feel you. He did say he didn't want to be 20 cent. And we do vote for, you know, our shared interests uh, within our time frame. Um, so I don't necessarily think he's saying vote for Trump as Trump as a person, um, but for what the Republicans represent with tax cuts and tax breaks for the wealthy, uh, for the conservative. And I'm not the type of person that's going to complain about people that's making money and trying to protect their money so they can ensure that their kids have money and creating this generational wealth. You have to protect it. So. 
that's my take on Fifty Cent, man. Um, you know, some people oh, he should he could have saved that to a later time or whatnot, and uh, it's what I was Fifty Cent. If y'all still looking for celebrities to guide you in any voting or political process, well, you already down a, a a drain and in a hole that we can't get you out of uh, do your research take upon yourself to learn as much as you can so that when 50 cent endorsed trump starts circulating around twitter um that you can understand that you know the tax breaks that the republicans believe the conservatives believe so you understand the financial impact and you can hear him out as he talk about finance. He didn't say anything about Black Lives Matter. He didn't say anything about nothing. He just stayed with the money. Uh, so, yeah, that's that. Wow, the final debate. So, the final debate, we had our first black woman moderator. She did a great job. I wish she would have used the mute button. Uh, I'm not sure if she used it or not. Like I, I was really looking forward to like their mouths moving and you can't hear nothing. So I'm kind of sad I didn't see that. Uh, that would have been great. Uh, overall, I think this. You know, I don't think I know this debate was a thousand times better than the first one. They made those adjustments. Um, still seen, you know, I believe Trump kind of altered his delivery. I, I was excited that this was just kind of, you know, some type of normalcy. Um, really didn't have any big takeaways. And I, I will have to look at it again. I should have looked at it again before this episode, but it's been kind of hectic. But, yeah, I really didn't get get much from it. I, I probably stooped so low that <laughs> anything that was said and, and was better than what was done in the past. I'm really trying to think of a takeaway. Nothing stood out. It was very political. Yeah, so I I guess that was a okay. Uh, I feel like Biden did a better job in this debate. Uh, but that's what we have to deal with in 2020's election. So make sure y'all vote. I can't keep stressing the importance of voting and taking younger people to the polls with you if you can. Uh, possibly like at your house, you can create your own mock ballot and have the younger people in your home vote. And actually, you know, one thing that I think is interesting is allowing voting within your household, like voting for chores every month or something like that. Just getting people, you know, getting the younger generation comfortable with the voting process and, and seeing some of the fairness within the voting process as well. Uh, so that they won't grow old and believe that their vote doesn't count and that voting is a waste of time. Ah, oh, man, last week I had a moment. So if you all don't know, I've run at least three miles 
um, Sunday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and I do CrossFit Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. So last week when I was running, you know, when I was preparing to run, I just had a moment, man. I um, yeah, no, I'm gonna be very transparent with y'all. I I really just had a moment. So I, as I was walking to prepare for run, just my mom just came to my head, and initially it was just sadness, and I had to turn that into strength, and it was. It was a lot. It was a lot. I, I had to allow myself to really sit in that, allow myself to to feel, because uh, my heart was pounding. Uh, so I really had to catch my breath, and I cried before the run. And then, but when I got up, it was just a whole different type of strength. And as I was running. When I got to like that last half of a mile, um, I just had these crazy like this happened a lot when I'm when I'm running. I have like this feeling of a couple of influential people in my life that have died uh, that were semi-athletic as well. Uh, so like Mitch. Um, Cam, Libra, Celos, Kobe was even running with me. And it's like when I'm running, when I'm going through that last leg, like they just start running behind me and they encourage me and push me to finish. And this particular time, I saw my mom in front of me. <laughs> and I remember when she started walking the track at Beaumont, when I start running and just trying to figure out ways to get in, in better shape. And that's all I, I, I seen. And they had, you know, she started way in front of me. So I had to catch up with my mom because uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't let my mom beat me. I, I do this running stuff. And the whole time, like she was just talking stuff and I caught up. And by the time I caught up with her, it was the end of the run. Like she was like that far and my time really, it shows, like, how fast I was running and my last mile. And, by t again, by the time I caught up, I was I was done. And what usually happens when I catch up, I run through the run. And I just hear her talking stuff as I ran past her and as I caught up with her and as I ran past her. And it, it, was, a, it was a beautiful thing. I, I found myself laughing as I ran out of my run as I jogged out of my run and began doing my recovery walk back to the house. I always try to leave enough room, at least a mile um, walk after all of my, my runs just to center myself. Um, so I you know, reduce my cramps and all of that, but just relaxation uh, within additional steps. So it was great, man. Having that moment, bouncing back and balancing myself out of that moment shows a lot and again we can't control how we feel but we can control how we re react I could have easily gave up on that run and like yeah this ain't it for today um, but the the fighter in me 
allowed me to use that as as motivation. And my day went quite quite well. Whew, what show I start watching? Uh twenties on BET. So <laughs> when I got to this show, oh man. Um I was just looking through the BT app and da da twenty. So I actually thought it was the guy from everyone, everybody hates Chris. I thought it was like him older. I I don't know. And then when I clicked it, I found out that it was a is this like is it a lesbian? I think so. So it's like a group of girls. Uh, I believe one of the main characters is a lesbian, and um, she works in a marketing agency, I believe, branding agency, and she is she pretty much expresses why representation and why having people that's outspoken. Um, within these companies are important. So she was really vouching for the LBG um, community. I'm sorry if I missed the letter, uh, but she was really vouching for them and outspoken about it. And although like she was getting a lot of pushback, she continued to fight and voice her opinions. Uh, so that things slowly became active um, I remember, you know, one episode when she was arguing about something to change and then they put the idea of a lesbian in, in the show or in the script or whatever they were doing, whatever project this was, but they didn't necessarily, you know, they didn't have a comfort level with kissing and the intimate side of most relationships. So they left that out and she voiced her opinion on that. So it was it was great for anyone that, you know, can look deeper into like representation and and those things and working in a company that may express these things um in inclusively like it's it's not inclusive like it's the complete opposite is divisive so this show is a good show i look forward to um completing this um one thing that stuck out canola oil um we all know Conandola. I don't remember her name. We don't mess her name up so much on Insecure. But she's actually a character on, on here. And she was talking to her playboy. And they were talking about positions. So positions in her job. She went up for a promotion. She didn't get the promotion. And the guy that she was messing with was a part of that board, which made the decision on who gets this promotion. He disclosed some information to her that he thought he was doing the right thing uh, in the midst of the conversation after he pretty much shared to her that she didn't get the job, not because she wasn't capable. She was beyond capable, but she didn't get the job because she is too good. They can't control her, which sucks. And a lot of people kind of go through those things um, with life. Like you're not allowing me to get the position because I like I'm overly qualified. And it seemed like something that happens to a lot of women and black people that 
opportunities aren't granted because you're overqualified or you'll do your job too right. So it's like you're going to punish me for doing my job too right, but then you're going to punish me for not having the requirements for the job as well, uh, which gives you this, this puts you in this annoying space. And the guy, after he discloses information, he pretty much was like, you know, I understand if, you know, you want to quit. So Condola, being the person that she is, her response to that was, you want me to quit? And he was like, no, like, I just told you that you were more than qualified for this position. They gave it to somebody that was less qualified over you. And because I gave you this information, I understand why you'll want to quit. Not necessarily saying that, hey, I want you to quit. Like, and it's crazy because people do that a lot. Like, people only hear what they want to hear. Like, I believe you only hear it quit. <laughs> In, in the entire conversation. So everything that was said before the word quit didn't even matter. You just heard quit and went on a tangent and went off on the idea that I want you to quit. When I'm clearly here giving you information that I'm not supposed to give you, trying to emphasize with you in this moment that's saying, like, hey, I understand if you want. Like if this the decision that you make after you receive this information for you to go completely left field and just say, I want like, whoa, whoa, it's not personal. <laughs> like this is not me versus you. This is a board that I just happened to sit on that made the decision on your promotion or not. If it was up to me, you would have got the promotion. If it wasn't a board that <laughs> I had to sit on that made this decision, it could have happened, but unfortunately it wasn't like that. Uh, so if you're one of these people that listen to respond and don't listen to comprehend, just really like reflect on that. Or if you had a moment when you said A, B, C, and D, and the only thing that was heard was D, um, just really reflect on those moments. Again, we can't control how, we can't control the initial feeling, but we can control how we respond. We can control our behaviors. And for someone to go left like that, oh my God, it was just annoying. Uh, but I seen it a lot, so it was in it was in, you know, it was important to show within the show. Uh, over the week, I took some pictures from this organization called Pure Forward. I was actually a part of this organization as a high school student. So Pure Forward um, is a program that take high school juniors during their transition year to their senior year uh, to a four-day workshop. And we learn different leadership, you know, development uh, opportunities. We learn the FAFSA process, the college admissions process, and we go through this interactive workshop to kind of allow that to stick in our brains. And then they give us the skills so that we can go back to our schools and go back to our communities and help individuals with the college process. Um, so I, I was a, a participant um, in 2008. Um, I went back to the organization in 2012 um, to work. And for the last eight years, 
you know, hit or miss. Um, I've been back with the organization, uh, volunteering and, and serving as a, you know, seasonal staff member within that organization, which is great. Uh, it does, you know, done a lot for me. So I try to give back to those things as much as I can. Um, and this is one of them. So opportunity came that they needed a photographer for uh, one of the workshops that was in Broward and I stay in Florida. So I went down there and, and did it. Uh, yes, the company, you know, got paid. Um, but a year later, this was last year, I believe. And this year received an email. It was like, Hey, um, we're going to, we have this article in the Forbes and we want to make sure that we give you all credit. Cause we looked at all of our pictures and y'all pictures were amazing. So we would like to use the pictures that you all took and we want to make sure that we give the credit to the right individuals. So last week, um, finally saw the article and we are now published in the Forbes. So yay, yay, RTW, we are in the Forbes. Thank you, Pure Ford, for the opportunity. Um, definitely appreciate it and look forward for all the amazing work in the future and all the different publications that rtw is going to have this not our first time um but it's our you know first time being in the forbes so we're gonna treat all our you know all our first times like it's the last times and all our last times like it's the first time that's how we grind that's how we stay motivated that's how we stay excited uh and last thing man i am proud of my baby sister she began her youtube channel and she's staying on top of it so when i was in st louis preparing for uh, my mom's uh, home going ceremony with the family that was one of the things that that stuck out so she's been saying that she wanted a camera forever and when we were there, she actually <laughs> bought a camera and it was like, I was like, oh, nah, like, nah, take that back. If you're going to get a camera, we got to make sure you get the right camera so that you won't find yourself getting another camera three, four years down the line. And we can get a camera now that you'll have for the next five to seven years. And for what she's doing, she can have it longer. Um, I didn't get my first camera until I think my junior year in college and again i took a year and a half off from school so it was quite delayed so she's 19 in her sophomore year of college and being able to you know learn um, cameras <laughs> and how to take pictures and do videos which can cut her time in half as if she decided that she wanted to really learn how to work the camera and she, she actually got paid faster than me too she said she got paid um, for the first time um so that was like amazing. I didn't get paid until after I graduated. So if I got my first camera in 2012, I believe I got it in 2013, uh, my first DSLR camera, I didn't get paid to summer 2016. And that was on accident. And that's when I decided to take photography serious and videography and like anything with a camera serious. Uh, so for her to have a, you know, a great camera, she got the Canon R. Uh, a great lens, the 24 to 105 uh, 4L. 
great opportunity around a great group of individuals and a new location. Ah, man, I'm just proud of her. So baby sister, go ahead and keep up the good work. Um, there's a lot of resources on YouTube that you can learn to get better. Um, but being hands-on, you kind of don't know what you need to know until you do it. So for anybody that's into photography or videography, just keep shooting, keep capturing moments, keep, keep your camera on standby, keep using your camera, uh, find you a couple photographers or photography companies that has a style that you like, uh, play around with different styles as you figuring out like, what's your style, have fun with it. And sooner or later, you know, once you start putting these hours in, start putting these sessions in, you will see the difference. Make sure you keep your old work so you can compare that to your new work as time go on. And it's just always about getting better and always about creating your style and how you want to shoot finding your niche things that you like to shoot because that's really what it's all about uh so now common courtesy courtesy that ain't too common around here oh my god So I went through a chain of events over the past couple of days, and that's why this topic became a thing. Um, I, I am as respectful as possible, I like to say. Uh, very monotone, very monoface, so it's hard to strike any type of emotion out of me. Again, I, am, I manage my emotions. Um, and I know that I'm responsible for my behavior. I also know what I'm capable of in a lot of different situations. So it's, I don't necessarily have to like prove myself. So I can keep my composure um, quite well. Uh, and even if I kind of step off my island, it'll never get to the point where I know I know I can go, which is great. And then just knowing how to get back on my island like the steps that I need to do to get back to where I need to be uh, one of the things uh, that I can add is just please like it's a common courtesy to say please so if you ask something and you know you mean it just say please um can you please da, 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 da. and with that you know it's tone as well so tone and how you say it and like the 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 vibes that's in the space when you said, because, you know, some people can take please as being disrespectful at times. <laughs> it's like, what? Um, so it's hard. Like if you're arguing with someone through text and you say, like, please, can you please bring me my stuff or, you know, things of that nature. Uh, so just knowing when, getting a feel of the room uh, before using please. Uh, I like to use please at the end. Just like, can you please just, I, I, don't, I don't know, it just sound aggressive. It sounds like someone may get defensive <laughs> by saying that, depending on the, you know, the situation. So I like to use it at the end. I just like to keep it safe and, and neutral. Hey, can you da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, so I can da-da-da-da-da, please? 
Um, and it's crazy. You got to be mindful of that. Like I wouldn't say, can you please do this in the midst of an argument? Um, but I will go with the, can you da 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 because da 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 and then end it with please. Uh, that, that way they know what I need. They know why I need it. And then I have the gesture, the gesture of please, um, which then again, they can say yell or no. Uh, a big pet peeve of mine is when people say, ask me something, ask me to do something, not even ask me something, but ask me to do something and then say, thank you. Or they are like, thanks. Like, can you da 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 da? Thanks. And Half of that is just like upbringing, but then also just reading um, how that can come off as offensive. People that typically use this type of method um, are like parents, bosses, you know, authority figures, right? And you're like teachers, you know, people that feel like you can't tell them no. So they'll just say thanks assuming that you already said yeah so when people do that i automatically tap into no like i don't care what it is i don't care what it's for like if you ask me something and end it with thanks nine times ten i'm gonna say no i can be petty at times i know but nine times ten i'm gonna say no um mostly because you're not entitled to a yes um I believe that it's best that if you ask something, give someone a time to respond and then say thank you based off their response, regardless if it's in favor of you or not. That's how, you know, some of the things that I've learned to come off as common courtesy opposed to saying, can you blah, 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 thanks. Because Reality is, if I was to say no, would that thanks still be relevant? Or what are you thanking me for? Like, I'm not even sure what you're thanking me for. So I always make sure that I thank someone for something. Thank you for your response. Thank you for taking the time to read this message. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. Like, I always thank people for something. I just don't thank them because I don't want you to assume what I'm thanking you like <laughs> like I don't know just leave too much space for error uh, when you just thank people when you just say thanks um, so just really being mindful of how you use the word thanks what are you thanking them for Waiting for a response. If you feel like you're entitled to a yes, you're already. You're already in a position where, you know. Trustworthiness have to, has to be questioned. Again, we learn those things from our parents. We learn those things from our teachers. Police officers. Can you da 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 da? Thanks. Like, wait, I didn't even respond. Like, how you know I got time to do it? And although it seemed like, you know, there's some people that really just feel like it's a nice gesture because that's how they were, you know, brought up. 
But in reality, it's, it's passive aggressive in a sense because you're using um, aggressiveness to get your way, but you using thanks as a, a soft gesture. Oh, well, I said thanks. To make it a little sweeter. And then as, as someone that's receiving this information, it's like, wow, I can't. You know, it's a negotiation tactic. It's like if someone shake their head around you, nodding their head yes, while they're asking for something or saying something, you're going to shake your head yes, which assumes agreeance. So when you say thanks, they already assume that you're going to say yes. And because they said thanks as a nice gesture, it's like, how can I tell this person no? So just one of them things we learn to get our way without any rebuttal or without any no. Um, But I'm here. I'm definitely like, if you say thanks, it's a a no. Thank me for something because I'm going to thank you for something. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Uh, So that's one thing on thank you. So make sure y'all use thank you and please, right? Use please before the response and use thank you after they respond. Um, Communication before the flight. That's important. So don't call me five minutes after you're late and say I'm late or an hour later say, yeah, I ain't coming today. Uh, You think like <laughs> I can tell I'm here and you're not here. Um, So always try to communicate prior to um, as soon as you can. Um, as soon as you find out you're not able to make it, as soon as you find out you're late, you know, you're you know, you're late when when you hit the road. And your A to say you're going to be somewhere at 11.06 and <laughs> you're supposed to be there at 11. So you can send that text message out. You can send that call out, voice message out and be like, hey, um, just got in the car. Uh, I knew it was 30 minutes away prior to, but it looks like time or something had happened. So I'd be about six minutes late. Or, hey, you know, things not going as planned. Can we reschedule? Like those things kind of eliminate the flake. Like it doesn't seem so flaky if you gave someone a time. Um, I try to give people at least an hour um, notice. Um, again, common courtesy. That way they can make some adjustments or we possibly can figure out how we can work around whatever situation that just popped up and messed up the timing. Uh, possibly meet at a different location, somewhere closer. Um giving people the ability to rain check, giving you know people the ability to reschedule their day in a sense, uh, if they can, within an hour notice, two hour notice. That's just my thing. And uh, again, if this happened too many times, then it's just going to be a buildup of flake. So with that, uh, the actions after, after a flake is just as important. So if you were to call off something or just be late, like if you're going to be late and call off things numerous times uh, without any act being <laughs> being shown, uh, it just shows, you know, character. Right. It just shows who you are as a person. So a flaker is a person that is known for flaking. So if you don't want to be a flaker, just try your best not to flake. Uh, best way to do that is just with communication and actually taking effort. So, yes, there's times where, you know, stuff just happens and continues to happen and we can't 
control it. But then there's also things that you can control. So, hey, if I wasn't able to do this, how can I make up for it? How can I show this person like, hey, I do care about your time. I do care about your space. I do care about you as a human. Uh, So although I wasn't able to show up in this in this space at this time in this moment for you, uh, this is me telling you I'm sorry, showing you I'm sorry and making sure that I can make it up to the best of my ability um, this time. So your actions after the flake is really important and it shouldn't take 50 years. Like don't act like you didn't do nothing. Don't act like, you know, something happened. So that was it. It does have a, and then again, you know, before I go back to what it has, again, it it just allows you to know like what this relationship means to you. So I won't say do this to like anybody. Some people just don't even matter, but the relationships that's important to you, the relationship that you would like to, to have and, you know, keep and build up on, those are the relationships that you have to be mindful for. Like, how is this decision uh, or how is this uh, circumstance going to impact my relationship with so-and-so? So being mindful of that um, is really a a great thing to have. Um, I know it's times where I can't do something because of something popped up on my schedule and something like my life is always something going on. I try to keep things on my calendar to avoid things popping up. Um, I always try to be a person of my word and just make stuff happen uh, regardless of how I feel, just the sacrifices you make um, in order to make sure that you're showing up for the people that want you to show up for them in that time. Um, so making sure that your you know your actions after the flake shows um that you're sorry for that you know that one time and you know that one slip up and even if it's multiple slip ups people appreciate you more um for the progressive actions that you have after you know yes ma'am no ma'am my, my mom's my my granddad my grandmother that was just common courtesy so like literally anybody in a leadership authority you know position i'm usually saying yes ma'am no ma'am i go to chick-fil-a i'm saying yes ma'am no ma'am burger king yes ma'am no ma'am like any restaurant any you know if i'm at a bar and i have a server anyone that's serving me anyone that's an authority figure anyone that's breathing like i'm just gonna say yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir like this i i there's no pride behind being respectful. Um, I know in most cases, usually individuals that say, hey, you don't have to say, you know, no ma'am, yes ma'am, da 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 da. And it's hard for me, um, but I just try to respect their wishes as well and making sure that I'm communicating with how they want to be communicated to as comfortable as possible so that it won't get weird. But some people just make it weird. Like some people, you know, there's some people I met that get attitude. Oh, you think I'm old and da da da? I'm like, whoa, whoa, no, I'm just, I'm just somewhat respectful. <laughs> That's how I was taught. I'm sorry. Uh, opening doors. Like I have no problem with opening and holding doors. If I see somebody behind me, um, I hold the door open. Uh, if I see a group of women or a woman uh, that's in front of me and there's a door right there, I'm going to open the door. That's just me. If I see a group of people, you know, a family or someone walking in, I, I hold a door. Uh, that's just me. Uh, I'm not the type that's going to allow a door to slam on anyone's face. Um, 
yeah, it's just it's just kind of it's kind of weird uh, greeting people by name. So when I go to stores and I see name tags, and even when I'm in these different networking groups, I I see a name. I try to call people by their name. Do it for two reasons because everyone likes hearing their name, and then the more I say their name, the more likely it'll be for me to remember. Uh, I have a I'm bad with names, so I have to be extra intentional when it comes to uh, remembering and saying people's names. So once I learn your name, I probably say it like five times within that day, uh, within that moment, just to make sure that it sticks with me. Um, because again, I know I'm bad, so I have to do the extra work. And when you, again, when you call, when people call me by my name, I, I feel like I'm wanted. I feel like I'm a part of it. You know, whatever that situation is, I feel, I feel like you know, I can put my guards down a little bit. I can, you know, let, drop my shoulders a little bit, and be more uh, within that space. And I know, and I've noticed that I have that same reflect. It has that same reflect from others, right? I go to, and I was at Best Buy and was taking something back. The guy was amazing. Um, his name was Israel. And I was like, yeah, you know, have a nice day, Israel. And um, he was happy. Like his whole, like, seemed like his whole day had changed because not only did I tell him to have a nice day um, after this bomb conversation that we had, the conversation was dope. And um, but saying, you know, saying his name and he's like, oh, that someone really said my name. So that was pretty dope. So knowing people's names, knowing the right pronunciation of their names and then just using their names. As natural as possible, you don't want to go overboard with it, make it weird. Um, treat people how they want to be treated and not necessarily how you want to be treated for years, for years, for years. I heard, Oh, treat people like you want to be treated. I know, you know, I, I'm different. So how I want to be treated is going to be different. <laughs> and I had to accept that. It's some things that I can take that other people can't take. Um, so when I have that relationship and you're around people, you know, I asked them, like, you know, how do you want to be treated? So I can see if I can treat them like that or that at least I know. Like, I'm not being caught off guard with not knowing. So at least I know how you want and expect to be treated so that I have a basis to, to fall back on when I'm not treating you some type of way. I can hold myself accountable when I'm not treating you a certain way. Uh, but all in all, like, if I don't know you, I'm going to treat humans like humans, right? Just because you're a human, I'm going to treat you out of love and respect uh, until proven otherwise. Until you show me that you don't, you, you're not deserving of my love. You're not deserving of my respect. But even then, you're still a human. So there's certain stuff that I'm willing to do uh, just because you're a human. But again, you know, everyone has a... Uh, a and a class of veil until the end of the semester. So you figure out what grade you want to end the semester with. What you want to end the year with. What you want to end my life with. Like you figure out what grades you have. But than that, you know, you got an A. You got 100%. So that's how I try to to deal with 
the overall population of humans, treating them just like humans. This is quite easy. And then individuals that actually have relationships with asking them, how, how do you want to be treated? How do you expect to be treated? Uh, intentions versus reality. I am known for having great intentions and like doing things uh, with the great intentions in mind, but in reality, it doesn't have the the impact that I wanted it to have. And a lot of that comes from communication. I used to make a lot of us decisions. I'm still working on that. Um, us decisions um, by myself. Like I create all these different solutions for other people in my life. Um, with different circumstances or whatnot. And I never involved those people. My intentions was good, but because they didn't have buy-in, they didn't have a say within the solution. Um, they wasn't pleased with the results, even if they were, you know, great because they didn't have any buy-in. They didn't have any say within the decision being made. They wasn't messing with it. And I used to be confused at first, and as I got older, I understand. And that's why these last couple of years I've been doing, you know, I've been practicing and been intentional with incorporating others and us decisions and not making the decision based on what I feel is right. And within conversation, you probably can make it better. But better than that, you can figure out how can we all get on the same page with this decision or close to the same page as possible. So intentions versus reality, like you can have a whole lot of people mad at you for some great intentions that you had that just then that just, it just wasn't executed well. Um, and I want to end, you know, this episode with courtesy isn't too common. And it shows more about a person's character than what a person can do. Courtesy isn't too common, and it shows more about a person's character than what they can do. So keep that on the back of your mind anytime that you're faced with courtesy issue. Anytime you're faced with someone that's not being courtesy of you and not feeding into that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Join me in my journey to success by following on Twitter and Instagram at LDMonger1. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns you would like me to address on the next episode, email me at contact at LDMonger.com. Vail's World can be heard on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Again, thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Until next time. It's the team.